Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Claret and Blue podcast. Um, we're bringing you a little bit of different insight, I suppose, um, rather than mine and Dan's rambling, rambling on like men in the pub. We, we, we've got somebody who's kind of been there and lived it. I'd like to welcome, welcome aboard Josh Webb. How are you, Josh? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, now, those of you who, who, who don't know Josh... Um, not only is, my, is he one of my daughter's PE, PE teachers uh, over across a, a local school in Hal Zoe, but he's also... You were a next-gen winner, weren't you, Josh? Yeah, a long time ago. It doesn't feel like nine years ago. Time flies, doesn't it? Um, so the reason we've, we've invited Josh on to speak today, we want to talk about... Obviously, Villa announced their, their release list last week, and not only did it have Conor Harahan and Ashley Young gone, but it had half a dozen of the academy kids as well, who, like Josh, spent, you know, probably a lot of their youth, you know, being, being educated by Villa in educational terms and in footballing terms. And so I wanted to kind of get a perspective on what it's like coming to terms with, you know, be, being released from Villa. Let's start at the beginning for you, Josh, if we can. How old were you when you, um, when you, when you first went to Villa? I was in year seven, so that makes me 10 or 11. I... Progressed all the way through, got offered a scholarship at 15. And then I was there from 15 till 20 years old. Yeah, you know, so a decade of your life, it's it's a big old chunk. So what, what was it like when you first got the call to join Villa? Are you a Villa fan anyway? My dad was a Villa fan. I loved Thierry Henry. So wherever he went, that was my team. It was one of them things where I'd been into West Brom a couple of times, been into Warsaw, um, just never quite worked. And I remember my dad driving me on the first one. He said, this is we'll make this your last one so you can enjoy football because I was obviously getting upset when I didn't get signed. Ever since that, I just went on and on and on and on. It was just one of them surreal things. Obviously, the first season I was there was under the old Bodymore Heath. So then my first proper season as a signed player was in the new facilities. Big training ground and the swimming pool on site and the gym and all the pitches. It was amazing. It was just like... Just gives you that extra little bit of motivation, you'd say, to want to go all the way. Is it excitement? Does it invite pressure? What, what What's it like when you're turning up at a place like that? I think because I'd been in a couple of the other ones, I think I went into Villa with a bit of, this is my, I know what to expect type of thing. I wasn't allowed to get ahead of myself. I, and I think it helped having the knockbacks because I went into that thinking, well, I know what it's like to not get a yes. So I think I went in there a bit more, relaxed should I say as silly as that sounds going into trial at a club because I was still playing districts at the on the side on a Saturday so then obviously you'd have your matches at Villa on a Sunday so I was still getting that enjoyment so I'd still seen all my friends and the school were really supportive of me as well um, so that was massive but yeah my mum and dad really kept me grounded I used to remember because my mum doesn't drive so my dad would take me to everyone we'd have obviously a 30 40 minute conversation and most of the time, it wasn't even on football. Like I'm a house-owning lad as well. In terms of locally then, were you still playing for the school team and still... At first, yeah, because it didn't clash with any Villa stuff. And I think the big thing was at a time where 
when I went in on trial before, I didn't then get to play with my other mates. So obviously all I was going into a new place with players that were obviously better than me, not knowing anyone. I sort of lost my confidence a bit. So I know my dad said he's definitely make sure that we carry on with that side because that's when you play your best as anyone would when they're enjoying it. You're at Villa. You go in there two or three times a week at the age of 10, 10 or 11 years old. How full on is it then? And when does it start to become kind of properly full on? Uh, it's about under 15s is when you get your... Under, end of under 14s, we had a few uh, school release days. So obviously you come out of school and you just go to... Tra- so you go down on training on a Tuesday night, you stop at a hotel and you go in for a full day's training on the Wednesday. And then under 15s, we did that all year. Year 11, I was under 16s. I was in Villa two days a week. And because of the high school I was at, at Liso's, they, they only did um, half a day. It's on a Friday. You're only in school to half one. So I was only actually in school about two and a half, three days max. And who who would your coaches have been coming through the ranks at Villa? So we had Gordon Cowens, Sean Verity, Ben Petty. Um, and then obviously you go on to Tony McAndrew and Kevin McDonald. And talk about some of the some of the lads who you're with then. Was it generally kind of most of that next-gen team? Like yeah, Lots so we had, Stella, Jack Grealish. we had Jack Grealish, Callum Robinson, Jordan Graham, Dan Crowley when he was a bit older had come up to us, Lewis Kinsella, Brad Lewis. And then when you get into the next-gen, you had Janoy Danassian, Daniel Johnson, Samir Carruthers, Derek Williams. So it's quite a good, a good squad. When you said it started kind of getting a little bit more, I don't know, involved, I suppose, at the age of... 15, 16, does that become, is it more almost like a kind of full-time job then? It's more just the excitement of what it could be. Um, so I remember we, year, I think it was year 10 or year 11, we had to do work experience where you go, you have to find a, go and find a job basically for a week. And Villa said, I can go in there for a week. And after that week, I remember coming back saying, I can see myself doing this. This is what I want to do. Did you have to kind of do the, the usual kind of sweep in the dressing rooms and cleaning boots and stuff like that? Yeah, cleaning boots, blowing up balls, getting cones ready. I remember once it was snowing, um, and the first team had their pitch cover on. Uh, we weren't. We were training in the barn, but we training session was stopped by the first team to go and clear the pitch to get the cover and everything off and stuff like that. But there was bonuses on match days. You'd have to be. Uh, you'd have to go in and help. Three of you would go in and help the kit man. So you'd have to collect, clean the kit after the change room after the game. At half time, you'd have to collect all the balls in and stuff like that. So it's a good experience being on the pitch with forty thousand fans, even though you weren't playing. Whose boots did you cop for? Uh, I had Gabby of on the horse. Did he, did he tip? No. <laughs> I remember my first my first ever training session. Um, I think I was 16. Kevin McDonald said, you're up with the first team. It just felt as if every, every pass I received was like a shot. It wasn't. It was just a normal pass to them. But I think that was the big moment where you're thinking, wow, this is, this is next level. Uh, but it's always like a bit of initiation. I remember... Stan Petrov said to me, he goes, after the first few passes, when you've controlled it and passed it off and kept the ball, they said, oh, we can trust him, it's fine. It was one of them ones where let's see if you can handle it type of thing. Is it, is it hard, though, when you're stepping up into that level and you know that what's got you to that stage is obviously a lot of hard work, but natural ability as well. Is it hard to play naturally? Do you, do you, is it a danger yeah, if you're I, overthinking? I didn't do after. I just literally, the first thing I saw, I just did it. I just kept everything as simple as I could. It probably, I'd say, it took me about five or six sessions with them to then start to feel as if I could be myself type of thing. So what's the kind of day in the life like when you, you've you just left school, you've got, your, got your, your scholarship at Villa? Is it kind of a mixture 
of education and training is that generally did, i think you did education four out of the five days a week for two hours either on a morning or an afternoon in the morning you'd come in and if it was your week on the equipment you had to make sure all the equipment was ready all the gps vests, everything the testing was done after training you couldn't go up to eat until the first team had finished because you had to clean their boots before you got to go and eat type of thing it's good i quite liked it it was like a routine it was showing that you have to start at the the bottom to then build your way up but i think well i know it's a lot different now what what was your highlight? Was was the, the next gen win your highlight? We won the reserve league in my first season there, which was unreal at sixteen. I remember we then played at Old Trafford in the final but lost on penalties to Man United. Next gen's got to be there. But I think also having the opportunity to represent my country was quite a big one for me and my family. I remember when the first letter came through to say that you'd been selected and been called up. Was that under eighteens? 16s, 17s, 18s. It's more since I've come out of it and I reflect back, I probably didn't realise I was doing as well as I did. Like I say, it's probably one of my downfalls was I probably didn't realise I was as good as I was. So I just took it for what it was, thinking, oh, well, I'll go to this one, but I probably won't get called up to the next one type of thing, rather than thinking, oh, I'm one of the best in my age in the country. I mean, I've just, I was doing a little bit of homework just before I jumped on the, on the, on the call with you. And I remember it now because I was out in Germany for the um, pre-season with, with Paul Lambert. Uh, I think I think I'd fall out with Paul Lambert. So, so I think I was I, I was staying somewhere in, in Dusseldorf and I think the, the team base was about 60 miles away from there. But I remember um, Corey got injured, I think, and I think you were summoned to join the squad um, at fairly late notice. Was that, the, was that the kind of time when you probably felt most involved with the first team or am I missing lots of other opportunities when you were you, you were close? When Kev Mack was there and I think um, Alex McLeish was the manager, because the reserves were so close then at the time, I was fortunate to train quite a lot of them that year. But obviously, I was only still 16, so realistically, I knew nothing. It was only really training. And then I remember Gordon Cowens rang me saying, um, we just got our kit on that day for the next season. I remember he ringing me saying, um, have you unpacked your kit yet? I was like, no, it's still in my room. He goes, well, you need to because you're flying out to Germany tomorrow. And that was a bit like, oh, right, okay. Because he came out to watch the final of the next gen, Paul Lambert. So I know that he'd been watching and stuff. And then me and Graham Burke had to catch a flight the next day out to Germany. So would 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 those have been your kind of first team debuts? Had you played in any friendlies previously? or No, those were the first two. And then obviously we came back and we played Wickham. I played Wickham and Luton. What was it like when you're playing at places like Villa Park and... And Old Trafford, you know, did that must that must be pretty good for the ego. Oh, it was it was surreal. Um, but obviously, when you're in the moment, you're obviously thinking, oh, this is what I want to do. It wasn't until you go and speak to your family and your friends, you're like, so what's Old Trafford like? But obviously, because you're that focused on the game, don't really then take in what you've just done because not many people can say they've played at Villa Park, Old Trafford, the Emirates, the Etihad. Whereas to me, that was just me trying to be focused, thinking, well, this is. Fortunate to say this is my job, hopefully. Did it just become another football pitch? No, I don't think it'll ever become another football pitch. The stadium and the history and stuff. I don't think it'll ever become another football... I know Old Trafford is one of the biggest pitches, but Villa Park seemed to be the biggest out of the lot. Probably coming to the, the, the depressing bit a little bit here. At what, what stage was it, Josh, when you you thought, you know, I'm going to get the call into the office soon? You know, because you must get a sense even before the final decision comes. Uh, well, the, the season before, I was... I say I was. We were looking at the options because I wasn't too sure. I got offered to stay another year. So obviously the plan was to try and stay another year then hopefully go out on loan. Didn't quite work, so then started going. And then I went up to Kilmarnock in the Scottish Prem 
Um, and I remember after just for, I think it was about a week, I was driving back and then my agent rang me saying, look, you've got a deal on the table. They've offered you something. So that was quite nice driving back, knowing that I had that because obviously I knew what was coming at Villa. A month after, Sean Kimberley, the current academy manager, had come in and just said, look, we know you've got that offer. So it's probably the best time for us to do, which I knew I knew it was coming. So yeah. it wasn't as if it was a shock for me. So I'd seen, obviously, it's always hard when you have your friends or your team that you've grown up with. So all our team were together when I was there at under 10s, 11s. So then by the time you get to scholarship and then after scholarship, some of them don't get kept on, some of them don't get kept on. So you start to lose them a little bit. So I knew it was coming. I was okay with that because it was different for me because I had something lined up. You've got Tim Sherwood, who's the, who's the manager who starts the season. Remy Gard does the middle portion of the season. I think, I think is it Eric Black who then, then takes over for the last couple of months? Is any of the first team managers involved in this or have they got too much... <laughs> <laughs> too much to worry about kind of dealing with what they're dealing with. Kevin McDonald had helped me a lot anyway, so I was they knew I had something had something concrete. Yeah. It was quite easy for me to just sit down. They'll just say, Look, we're here if you need any help and stuff like that, but we know you've got something you've got something lined up. So it was probably the easiest conversation that they'd had, even though I'd been there for ten years. What kind of support do you get from the coaches like Ben Petty and Sid and whoever's still around at that time? Do they still kind of you know do they still kind of almost become mentors for you going forward as well well that looks like i've always been like that but i think it was a little bit different for me because i had i'd gone up to kilmarnock where lee clark was there at the time and i had some sort so it was more me just staying switched on keeping myself fit keeping myself ticking over and i think at the time we were trying to win the premier league too and I think we were close to getting in the final against Arsenal at the Emirates for the last game of the season. So I was still quite focused in that sense because I thought we could go out on a high, get promoted for the last one. Uh, but I knew Lewis Kinsella was going into Colchester and then he went on to to sign for them. Um, I knew Genoi was going because he'd just come back from a loan anyway. So I knew he was going into somewhere else. Benji, I think Benji went back to playing Switzerland, I think. Off the top of my head. What does the what does the club do, um, Josh, if you haven't got anything lined so up? You get, so if you've got nothing, you get two two more payments. So when the season finishes, you get two more months worth of payments if you haven't found another club. I know that they've they always offered me numbers. To, well, not numbers. They would speak to somebody if I wanted to go into there. Um, but because obviously I was aware of the season before what was going on, I was quite onto it to get it sorted. So there is a kind of level of aftercare then. So they'll make sure that you're not just, you know, not one day that you... No, you don't just walk out and then never, No, you don't just walk out and then never hear anything again. Because once you sign a new contract, I know they have to talk to somebody and get it sorted out that way. Are there such things as kind of open trials and stuff like that, that release players from various clubs can, can go to? I believe so. Um, I never, I've never been to one. Um, but I do believe there are open trials where you can go and be watched. And so I know that um, they did a lot for that. Is it the Jamie, the V9 Academy and stuff like that, where if you've just yeah. been released, you can go into stuff like that. How how much kind of psychologically and emotionally, and I suppose it depends on what kind of character you are and what support network you've got around you and how you've managed your own expectations. How difficult an adjustment is it to make to think that you could potentially go on to become a Premier League footballer to kind of gradually realising that you're going to have to look at other options? Is, is that difficult for a young lad to come to terms with? I would say so, yeah. But I'd say by the time you're... I think it's a lot different now. Because obviously working at working at Villa now, I see it from a different perspective. And obviously the standard's gone 
up and up and up. You've always got to be playing above where you should be. So I was quite fortunate. I didn't play much youth team. Whereas now they say if you're a youth team player, you should already be in the 23s. Yeah. That's the aim, the way of challenging type of thing. So I think you can get a good grasp as you go in. But everything changes because you get a lot of players now that come into non-league and then go back into full-time football anyway. Yeah. I think the opportunities there now are completely different because I'm in non-league. You can see players coming from non-league and going back into the conference prem because it's still full-time football. Yeah. I know people say the Premier League's the goal, but surely you want to be playing full-time football at any level to then build yourself back up. I mean, it's a good point because the, the, the standards throughout the divisions and even into the, the, the conference and beyond now, it is a good level of football and... You know, you're not going to get quite as rich playing down the pyramid as you are in the Premier League, but it's still, do you know what I mean? It, it's still, still, full-time, still full-time football. Yeah. I mean, there's a team in my league now, Alf Church, that have just developed a hybrid programme. So they're step three and they're going to be training every day. What would your advice be to, I don't know, a, a kid who gets snapped up and plays in the, in the academy or any academy at the age of, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten? Should the dream be, to play football rather than to play football in the Champions League or the Premier League or for this particular club, just try and make a living or... or you I think know, you've, I you've, got to, you've got to set goals, haven't you? I think that's what is your motivation. It doesn't matter what job you're in, you have to set goals. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to play in the Premier League because then that's down to you then, to how you're going to do that. Are you going to work hard? Are you going to do extra practice? Um, but I think as you grow up and go up and go up, then you've just got a, it's mental strength. And I know Villa do this a lot now, a lot more when I was there. They have um, psychologists. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think the mental side now of football is, is scary, how important the mental side of football is. So it's not just how good you believe you are, but how do you block out the noises? How do you come back from injuries? So I can't, don't know off the top of my head, any player that's gone through without an injury or without a setback. So I think the mental side of it, I think it's the mental, which I learned a lot was the mental side of football that people probably don't quite see. The training every day, and when you're injured, you can't train, then it puts yeah. you a setback to then play. If you're playing and you, do, you don't win a game, or it's bigger than what I think just playing football. Probably further down football pyramid, there's probably players who ability-wise, in terms of talent, are as good as those towards the top, but it's just... Are those the fine lines, kind of that 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 super kind of confidence and, and and that you know being psychological psychologically strong? Or well, like you said, you've got the psychologist now, but I don't think that's something you can teach. Obviously, you can practice to be the best technically you can be. You can train to be the fittest, but to have that mindset of saying I want to be the best, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or nothing's going to phase me is not something that's that easy to teach. It's something that will grow over time with practice. So I think a lot I think a lot of people who've got that mentality will make a career somehow some in some league just for the resilient side of football because it is a ruthless ruthless industry. I mean, I'm not sure you ever ever lost your love of football, but how did you kind of um, almost kind of weather that storm? And, and, and come oh, no, I definitely, say I, lost, I definitely say I lost my love of football. Um, so I went up to Kilmarnock and it just didn't quite work out. It was just one of them things. Maybe it was down to myself. Maybe it was that side of being 20, going to live five and a half hours away. It was a completely new experience, which is definitely something I believe now is why alone is so important. Men's football, three points matter. Performance doesn't as matter as much. 
it's a big eye opener. A crowd that expects a lot but doesn't realise the situation it's in. It was quite interesting. So I think, so obviously, if you would have said to me after I played football a year later, you'd be coaching, I would have said no chance. I just wanted to play golf. I just wanted to take my head completely away from football and not have anything to do with it. And then obviously, I was still speaking to Sean Verity playing golf. And then you slowly start to get that feeling and you feel it coming back saying, yeah, I still want to be involved. So when I so went through the PFA, I did my UA for B course, and then that was it. And then the coaching side of it. The coaching side, it brought me back to wanting to play again. People who have looked after you previously still looking out for you, I suppose. But I said, I, said can I, um, I remember saying, can I come in and watch, just watch a training session and just I wanted to bounce some ideas off people just to see where I was going to go next. And it was just then, obviously, being an ex-player there, they're more than happy for me to come up. Um, just obviously just volunteering. I wasn't asking to be just to go and watch just to be involved so obviously I had a lot of spare time can go up in the day release days um, and that was quite good seeing it again but for seeing it from a different perspective and then that set my interests off trying to work it out from the other side because now I get to see it from a coach's side and because I'm still playing I see it from the player's side Could you feel it coming back then when you went on those little kind of days to observe could you just feel that kind of I don't know passion for it coming back Yeah definitely because obviously now it's new I think obviously when I play football I was all about like the thinking type of player, how it works, reading the game type of thing. So this really intrigued me because it's more it's more about your brain than as a coach. How do you get the best out of a certain type of individual? How do you make it more for the team? So there's lots of different factors that you've got to try and work out. So what, what age group is it that you, you're looking after now? I'm with the under nines at the minute. So obviously I've only just qualified. So it was a good start to go in, so obviously to build the facts. So obviously I spoke a lot to Mark Delaney and he started off in the foundation and built his way up through the age groups that way. Have a Wednesday evening, and then Thursdays, it will stop now, but they have school release where they come out of school for half a day. Then you have a Saturday morning and then a game on a Sunday. So you're getting to spend a decent chunk of time kind of shape, helping to shape these kids? You'd like to think so, yeah. Football's not serious to them. It is purely just the love of football. And it's it's good, especially that age group, you can try and, try and try new things, see what works. And they don't know. So obviously, it's all about infusing. That brought my game because they're so enthusiastic. It's it's helped me get that enthusiasm back as well. Before you started any match, you had to have your shirt tucked in. It was just every time you saw a coach, you had to go and greet the coach with a handshake and stuff like that. So it's just little things like that that you don't realise. It's actually it's just building that foundation, isn't it? Of having respect for your coaches, respect for your teammates how you conduct yourself, how you look. It's just little things at the time I thought was a player. I was like, oh, why have I got to do this? Why well, do I have to tuck my shirt in? Why have I got to shake you out? Like, but now you get it. It, it makes sense. You're involved with the, the under nines four times a week. I know you're kind of doing doing stuff kind of the local local school as well. How do you find time to train and play? So Villa have been really good with me um, because I I was I got myself into Villa, got myself into position, and then um, I was asked to go and play football at step three. So I was at Cozill Town because it just, they only train once a week and it worked quite, I really like the manager, it worked quite well for me around my busy life. And then um, I had someone who I knew quite well take over Hensford Town um, and asked me to go in. And I, I spoke to the head of coaching at Villa and said, look, I've been asked to do this, but I know that the coaching is a new career. I don't see football as a career now. Yeah. Football's just a bit of enjoyment on the side. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, playing and coaching alongside is going to help you in the long run. Yeah. So he said, leave it with me. The next day, come back saying, right, we're going to put you with foundation and you can still play. So Villa are really good to me. So if I've got a really far away game, they're okay with me having it off 
as long as it's not all the time. But if I have to get off half an hour early to get to a game, they're absolutely... So they've been really good for me in that sense. So it works around it quite well. So do you feel you've kind of got your, I don't know, got your, your swagger or your mojo back on a football pitch now as well? Yeah, so last year was probably the best I felt football-wise. And then about eight games in, I did my MCL. So that was another welcome back to football type of thing. The thing I enjoy about it most now is whilst I'm training and I'm being coached at Hensford, I'm thinking of it in a different way. So rather than sometimes when you do a session thinking, oh, why are we doing this? Now I'm thinking, oh, I can see why he's doing this because we've got to do X, Y, Z. So it almost kind of completes a circle in a way that you coaching makes you a better player and you playing makes you a better coach. Is that is that the way I you look at it? I think that's how I'm trying to look at it, yeah. So obviously the more I can play, then the more experiences I get at doing, especially I've been in the academy system for so long. I was in the Scottish Premiership for a short amount of time. I went to Kiddie in the Conference North for a short amount of time, but still saw the training. Whereas now I'm in non-league, I've seen a little bit of a little bit of everything. Even though I didn't play in the Premier League, I saw how Premier League players trained. So I feel like I've got a, I know I've got a vague understanding of nearly all the areas of the different leagues that you should want to aim for. It's just one of the things, it was just one of the, one of the ones, like I've said to you before, as I probably didn't realise until now where I was or what I did. So obviously when someone asks me, well, what did you do in football? I'm not someone that's going to blurt out what I've done. Yeah. And then when they ask me more and I tell them, they're like, oh, you were actually quite good then, wasn't you? And it's a bit like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I was. <laughs> but it's not something, if I resent it, it's not going to help me. Yeah. And then the longer it's going to take me to get over something, to get to where I am now. But the biggest thing for me is, like you say, the ones that are getting released, if they can, if they back themselves, they've just got to get their head down, work hard. I was always sceptical about going non-league or going down to the conference when I was at Villa, but probably that was my biggest mistake. Just go and play football, go and play men's football because you'll learn more stuff in two training sessions than you could. Because we've got someone at Hensford, he was at Wolves, come out of Wolves, he played one year at Hensford and he... I've said to him and he agreed with me, you've learned more in that one year than you have the last eight years in the academy. If you can go there and show your potential, show what you've made of, the opportunities are still there if you're willing to work hard and do it. It's a bit different for someone like me, but you still get people like me playing in the league that were willing to help you and do that stuff anyway. We'll have the opportunities if you do well at non-league. A lot of players are going up now from non-league, even if it's to conference prem. That's still full-time football. That's still a job. That's still your your job then a full-time footballer yeah I mean that's a really nice way to finish it, it's kind of you know it doesn't have to be the end it can be the start just kind of you know just buy yourself some thinking time and some breathing space and just just come roaring back and trust the people around you I suppose I think well, especially in the academy was like, oh do you want to go play non-league oh, no why would I want to but actually why would you not want to go and play step one step two maybe step three go and be the best player week in week out go and score loads of goals go and make loads of assists, go and keep loads of clean sheets. Because the way football is now, stats, if you can get good stats, people will come and watch you and then that's when you show them what you're about. No, that's brilliant. Thank you for talking us through through your journey. Uh, like I said, without trying to flatter you too much, you seem to have kind of emerged from it in a in a strong place. And with a great gig, if I'm being honest, you know, co- co- coaching at Villa, you know, still, still playing to a good level and, and getting paid for it. I mean... I wouldn't want to have to kind of teach my daughter PE. I know how difficult that is, but um, <laughs> the rest of it, mate, it, it sounds like you're having, you know, you've, you've kind of bounced back in, in, in some style. So thanks for um, thanks for sharing it with us. We will get you back on in future to talk. I want to, I want to tell the story of that next gen. 
properly with the, the likes of you and, and Lewis Kinsella and whichever of you mates. Well, so, it was that long ago. I'm going to have to watch the videos back. <laughs> well, Lewis can do plenty of talking anyway. So we'll, we'll um, yeah, we'll try and, try and get that sorted in the next couple of months. But um, yeah, you've been watching me, Matt Kendrick, with Josh Webb on Claret Blue Podcast. Until next time, up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.